This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and Game Master. Heroes, this week we have a bit of a longer episode for you. We're going to be going through a bunch of our star-crossed playthrough for you. Why? Well, we finished putting together our final audition series, and we wanted to get to that as quickly as possible. Uh, however, I got sick in the middle of recording this, so I didn't actually finish it. What's going to happen? You're going to have the longer episode this week. We're going to run through our final audition series, and then at the end of that, I'm going to finish off the Starcross playthrough. It's not how we usually do things, but it is what my health would allow, and it allows our auditioner to get their series on the air as quickly as possible. Now, if you like Starcrossed, I have great news. Crowdfunding for Starcrossed Love Letters is still going on. You have one week left to back this project, so head over to Backerkit and search for Starcrossed Love Letters or follow the link in our show notes. I cannot stress enough how much I adore this game. It is my favorite game, and this expansion is wonderful. It is full of so many new ways to play. So go out there and back it as soon as you can. Now, with all that out of the way, Let's get to the show. All right, I have set up my tower. I have pulled six bricks, as you do in both normal Starcrossed and solo Starcrossed. I gotta say, the tower is already looking pretty tenuous. Uh, which has me as a player nervous. Um, but that is, of course, one of the wonderful things about Starcrossed. Now, going into this, I want to talk about some of the play structure for Starcrossed Solo. The book recommends writing in the present tense. So, you know, in a, another Starcrossed game where I'd be playing with another player, we would be narrating the present tense of the scene as it is playing out. I think that's a lot easier to do when you are playing a single character. So it is a little bit challenging, though, you know, the game is most definitely telling me that I am treating it as though I'm playing it as the follow. So all of my narration is going to be from the follow's perspective. It is not the lead's perspective, though the lead is still a part of the game and making moves. And that is where some of the solo challenge comes in. And I think uh, this is really cool because it is 
asking you to remain in the moment, right? Like narrating from the present tense allows you to feel alongside your character as you play, which is a huge part of how Starcrossed works as an effective storytelling tool. So like you wouldn't want to lose that present tense narration, even with a format change that might make it a little bit more difficult. Uh, this again it does also uh advise play like you're writing a first draft and make your writing honest and not pretty i am again not writing this i will be narrating it aloud so some of that uh i think ugliness or improvisation that's gonna come through uh very much but it is, you know, writing this like a first draft, like part of it is uh, the game is expressing that this is just for you. And obviously I am doing this presentationally. It's not just for me, but what I am trying to do is present you with kind of the raw messiness that I would create in a solo environment. Uh, the other thing I think to keep in mind, I might not do it for this first scene, um, but uh, it also advises to try writing warm-up exercises before actually approaching each scene, taking some time to just brain dump either into the journal that you're writing the game or uh, some other text file um, and then immediately deleting it. I think there is some use to that. I might do that for scenes in the future where what I need to do is less clear because I think I will very organically, because I am working from the follows perspective in these scenes, I think the follows moves to me are going to be pretty apparent. I anticipate it being more difficult to keep track of the lead because I will just be doing things from the follows perspective. I don't know, you know, but we will see how all of that works out. Now I am going to move down in the document. It does appear that it is using the standard star-crossed scene cards, so I am going to grab some of those. Oh, I guess an interesting thing here. The lead is supposed to start the scenes, um, decide where those scenes begins, and uh, the, the follow decides when scenes end. Narrating exclusively from the follow's perspective, I have to be contextually aware of how the scene begins. Um, but yeah, I realize that I'm just reacting to that. I jump. Um, it is very easy for me to get invested in my work, especially the work that I've been doing for the last several months. It's mostly organizational. I'm, I'm cataloging different things. This is work that tends to pile up on the ship without someone watching over it. Anyway, I am leaning over my station and the door opens up and I don't know what it is about the doors on this level. I just feel like they're so much louder than the doors in the rest of the ship. It, it makes my heart start a little bit uh, under normal circumstances, but especially because I wasn't expecting to be interrupted, uh, I jump and... I turn around and suddenly I feel like prickles of ice breaking out over my chest. I know it's not him. Um, I know it's not him from a logical perspective, from an emotional perspective. I know, I also, I knew that his brother was coming today, so I, I knew... 
that it wasn't him. And you hear that people look alike, but they really do. And it's striking, uh, especially seeing someone who looks so similar. I, I just dealt with so many feelings. Um, it's hard. The stations in the room have a hum. And the lighting in the room is low. I like it that way. I think it makes it cozier. But they feel very loud now as I look towards the entryway into someone who looks so much like Zaron, save for his eyes. I squeak out a greeting. Oh, hi. Um, please, uh, come in. I appreciate you having me, and I want to assure you that I have no intention of disrupting your work. Oh, not not at all. It, it, it's, it's not an interruption at all. I understand. Um, I, I'm Samuel, uh, Samuel Berry, Ensign, Ensign Samuel Berry. I stand at relaxed attention. Um, I know because I have done a lot of research and I worked very closely with Zaron when, when he was alive, that it is not their custom to shake hands. Uh, it is something that I think is challenging for a lot of officers in the fleet to walk away from their instincts to be warm and friendly. But I keep my hands where they are. Oh, and I think this is actually a place where the lead is going to make a move. So I am going to pull a brick here. And God, this tower cannot fall over now. That would be awful. Okay. Okay. So I pulled a brick for our lead to intentionally make physical contact. Or rather... That's, that's so clinical, and that's not how Starcross writes it at all. To intentionally touch the other player. Knowing this custom is why I am so surprised when he reaches out and extends a hand to me. I am Zam, brother of Zaron, and now eldest in my family. I have come to help us both grieve. He smiles. Um, it's a, again, a familiar smile. Uh, it moves up with the same familiar angles. There's something slightly different about it. Uh, it's hard for me to tell in the moment. Maybe it feels colder, but that might just be because it's less familiar to me. I reach out and I take his hand. And immediately, I am struck by how different his hand feels. Zaron was, Zaron was an adventurer, a, a fighter, someone who spent a lot of time doing a lot of physical things. And his hands were strong, but they were also calloused and rough. Zam's hand is softer, still grips mine firmly and and with warmth and, and friendliness, but 
it is much softer. And for a moment, I feel another bit of familiarity. I feel, I feel how warm his touch is. Gosh, I really need to name this species or it will be distracting for me. Um, all right, uh, I used Zs earlier, so I am going to use Xs now. I think, <laughs> I think they are Zalians. Yeah, this is great stuff. Great stuff, James. Uh, yeah, so that's X-A-L-L-A-I-N-S, Zalians. You know, and, and Z, Zalians. I'm going to write that down. If you've never touched a Zalian before, they always feel warm. It's just... Their body temperature is is just warmer than a human's. Uh, it never feels hot to me, but always notably warm. Even something as brief as a handshake uh, can make it feel that way. And that familiar sensation is passing through me, and I'm realizing that the handshake is going on too long. He surprised me by being familiar with with my customs, uh, but he does. He clearly doesn't have a sense of how long this is supposed to be. He doesn't know to let go, and I'm lost in my world. I pull my hand back, and I instinctually take a step back, which I think bumps me into the console and takes the data sets that I was sorting and spills them over a bit. He looks concerned. I can tell. I, I put up a hand. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, please, uh, welcome. Um, I am familiar with with the custom to an extent. Uh, I am afraid that we don't have any records or writings of exactly how this is supposed to go and how I'm supposed to support you in this. I, I'm sorry. I, I wish I was better informed. I stammer as I take the data sets and, and put them aside. I feel like this situation calls for at least a little bit of conversation. I am working very hard on getting back to work, but this work is lower priority work. And the sooner I can attend to this, the sooner I can look ahead towards getting back on track. He makes another familiar gesture. Zaron had a way of putting rooms at ease. He would make this graceful and sweeping gesture with his hand, tossing aside any concerns that might be placed in front of him. On Zam, this gesture looks less practiced, um, maybe even a bit either less practiced or maybe too rehearsed. It somehow feels like an awkward fit on him. But of course, I understand what he means. That continuing to apologize and try to navigate this awkward situation with fear and anxiety is not going to help him or me. Please, put yourself at ease. Please, man, I gotta, I'm gonna have to make their voices way more distinct. Uh, so note to people who are uh, playing this aloud, uh, really decide on more distinct voices. I'm gonna try, uh, 
The problem is, I'm going to talk through this because I'm allowed to be messy. I think because I have Sam up here, I should have Zam in a lower register. My problem is I want Zam to also have confidence problems and I need to make sure that their energies are not too matched. And I feel like this voice, this is Zaron's voice. You know, more heroic, more confident, more able to take on whatever is unfamiliar and unseen. So to take that and soften it, make it a bit younger, how do I, how do I youth this up? Oh God, it's so challenging. Okay, how about this? If I speak more clipped, I'm going to make it younger and less sure of itself. I think I can authentically live in a place like this. And that sounds different than a place like this. Okay, I think I've got it. I think I've got it. Please, uh, I know the custom is unfamiliar to uh, your people and your organization. And let me offer my apologies as that is by design. This is a sacred thing to my people, a sacred investment. It is not something for outsiders. I think he was able to see the nervousness, the concern, the regret forming on my face, embarrassment, humiliation. I can feel my cheeks and ears burning now. That, that's definitely a part of it. Uh, please, I say this not to insult you or the connection that you shared with my brother. I, I am here because I recognize that as authentic. I believe any who saw the correspondence that I did uh, would understand it as such. I say this to re relieve you of your concerns. You have done nothing wrong and need not have done anything to prepare for my arrival. Uh, and it is my intention to complete this ritual with as little obstruction to your life as possible. It is a bit of an awkward reassurance. Uh, it's clear that he has rehearsed these lines somewhat. And... I can't help but find that a little charming. I guess that charm really must run in the family that even when you're not working from the best place, you come off as it's easily understood that you have the best of intentions. It's clear that much like his brother, he thought ahead and prepared himself to reassure me. And it is tampering my feelings of humiliation somewhat. Um, let me... Start by saying, I am sorry for your loss. Um, I know that you shared something quite close and that had circumstances been different. What you are struggling with is real, and it is something that everyone in my house would see as real. Oh, I'm trying to decide if the lead... Hmm, 
No, no, I'm not going to do that. I feel like that would be an unintentional reveal, which is like a big thing to do this early in my session. Instead, I can feel the edges of my emotions kind of sinking in in this moment. This person is trying to be very kind and is trying to be, I think, generous. Part of that feels not good in this moment, and I, I just want it to stop. I, I need to push past this. Uh, it, please, I have spent a long time hearing condolences recently, and it, it's not that I don't appreciate the sentiment. I, I really do. Um, I just... I know this is going to be... An intense process. That that's the only understanding that I that I really have of it. So if it's all the same to you, I, I would like to just learn about how it's going to work and uh we'll figure out how to navigate it together. How does that sound? I'm really trying not to be rude, and I am so afraid of of being rude. I this person has journeyed out all of this way and being the heir to his house, he must have a lot of responsibilities. I, I, I know that part of this is for me and that doesn't feel comfortable. He takes a step back, draws himself up to his full height. He is just a little bit taller than Zaron which is not something that I noticed immediately. Of course. I will sit with you uh, for the next... I I don't know. Uh, I've never done this with someone who is not a member of my own species. Uh, and as you know, uh, he... He loses the composure of an official presentation almost immediately as he gets lost in his own excuses and caveats. Uh, it, it can be different uh, for people who don't have uh, the same mental connections that, uh, that, that, that come naturally to Zalians. Um, we will form a connection, and through that, I will understand uh, your relationship with my brother, and once I have enough of the shape of that, I can return to my house and complete the grieving. I try to process what he's telling me. I can't help but notice how, as he explains the process to me, he has trouble maintaining eye contact. He was very good at that when he was presenting, but the farther he gets into it, the more he has to look around the room, which does give me a chance to look at the very distinct difference between him and his brother. And it's his eyes. There is a great deal of bright color in his eyes. Green, magenta, purple hues. There is less hypnotic depth in them. It makes his gaze less intense and almost friendlier. Oh, uh, so you are just gonna hang out with me while I work and, uh, are we 
going to, to talk about him or yes i am afraid we will we will talk about uh him and i will learn of of your relationship uh of course that that is part of making this connection okay okay um but there there is more there is more uh it is it is not just talking uh, about uh the it is not just it is not just talking about Zaron. It is also forming a connection spiritually, which will require meditations, uh, and those must be done in proximity. Ah, oh, okay, all right. So that means that you are just going to be here while I work meditating. I'm trying very hard not to display discomfort. Um, I already feel bad about a lot of the circumstances surrounding this. I don't want, I don't want to cause an incident, especially not after everything that has happened recently and, and where I am right now. I don't want to be unappreciative of, I don't know, someone from Zalian to really go out on a limb and recognize the connection that I had with Zaron as legitimate. But I also don't want to be watched or immersed in these feelings that I have taken a long time to, to deal with already. Uh, forgive me for not knowing, does this need to be an all-the-time all day affair. Uh, perhaps I could take some time uh, uh, away from my working hours or maybe even speak to my commanders uh, about making extra time in my day that that you could meditate around me or whatnot that, that that's not necessarily involved with work. I am afraid not. Uh, once this process begins, we are linked. It, it will not just be an all-day affair, as it were. I must also spend evenings with you. I feel my heart jump to my throat in a way that feels sick. I, I'm not the type of person who wants to throw up when emotions get intense, but it is really unexpected. What do you mean by evenings exactly? Well, I have already spoken to, to your commanders about this. Uh, we are to be given a private set of quarters uh, that we will both occupy, and uh, that way we will be able to spend an appropriate amount of time to, to form our connection as quickly as possible, as quickly as possible. So again, the, the grief may be dealt with and, and my brother's spirit may be returned uh, uh, to one piece so that he may fully be put to rest and, and pass on. I have to lean against the console. And then after that dizzying revelation, I am struck through again. Uh, this time I look up very nervously. You've worked it out with my commanders. I, I mean, I knew that, that that there would be the visit. Obviously, uh, I, I received message about that. So I, I just, 
what what did you say? I I I can tell that he is surprised by what I am saying. Um, taken aback a bit, Zam steps back, but I let the intensity of my nerves overtake me and I step forward. What exactly did you say? I know in your correspondence it said that you read some private communications between me and, and Zaron, but I, I want to assure you that those communications were private for a reason. It wasn't exactly public knowledge that we... And already I can tell that in trying to keep this situation under control, I have actually made things a thousand times worse. I can see the surprise playing across his face. Not only that, I can feel it pulsing through the air. It is pulsing through his psychic waves. He didn't know that my relationship with Zaron wasn't public knowledge uh, in my own community. I feel the question coming in before I hear it. What, what do you mean? What do you mean that it wasn't public knowledge? The way Zaron wrote of you in his letters, I, I expected that this was the sort of connection that no one could hide. I feel the burning return to my face and ears. And here I am going to uh, pull a brick for a follow move. I believe I have unintentionally revealed to Zam that my relationship with Zaron was a semi-secret. God, this tower is just brutal already. Whew. And I am shaking. Okay. All right. That was a successful pull. I'm going to mark it down. Yeah, I think this is unintentional because I think... Based on what Sam knew of the situation or what was described by his commanders and the, the correspondence that was sent over by Zam, he assumed that Zam had through the logs that he received from Zaron after Zaron passed, Zaron had kind of explained the general secrecy involved in the relationship that we had become very, very close emotionally and physically and, you know, overall. Uh, but because of the detail that we were on where I was assigned to work with him, it would have just been a lot more complicated to make it Starfleet official, uh, as it were. There's paperwork, there's additional psychological counseling, which has its place. It has its place, and I understand it and respect it. It's just, I. it's not even that things needed to be more serious first. They were pretty serious. It's just, we didn't feel like we had time or, or, or that it was necessary, and it would definitely have felt disruptive. Absolutely, it would have felt disruptive. So we just didn't tell anyone about it. And I mean... Obviously, I knew that that some people must have known or or suspected, but if it was a problem, they would have come to us, and nobody did, and it wouldn't have been a big deal if 
wouldn't have been a big deal. But the revelation is out there now. And I can feel that Zam, I can feel his confusion. I can feel his... I guess it might be anger. I've never felt Zauron's anger directed at me. I mean, Zalians have a way, not even a way, the, the psychic projections that, that Zalians put out when they feel something very seriously and very steadfastly, it is hard to ignore. And it doesn't matter if that's directed at you or not. I have felt Zaron be angry, but never, I've never felt that directed at me. It makes me feel very small in this moment. And there is silence in the room, or what passes for silence in this room. The lights and consoles buzz in a way that is almost meditative in a way that deadens the sensations of the rest of the room and isolates me to the emotion. I can feel how complex it is. It is not just anger. It is not even just anger at me. There's disappointment mixed in there. And I think this might be... Yeah, this might be another lead move, I believe. So yeah, I didn't conceive of this as a move initially, but as I am working through it, I, I think this might be Zam intentionally revealing something, but because he's feeling disappointed in his brother's actions in some way or or this overt disappointment that his the situ his brother's over his brother's situation here because what he read in those logs or saw or whatever i think to him spoke of a very serious relationship that you know could have become a marriage and and absolutely warranted him coming out and going through this ceremony of grief. I think that, like, in discovering that it wasn't official within Starfleet itself, um, I don't know, I, I think it uh, makes Zam feel differently about how his brother conducted this relationship. And the the fact that he is out here, and maybe maybe even mixed in with that, I think to maybe make this with a move like there is this anger, there's there's this disappointment, there's this shock and surprise, but maybe there's also a touch, and because this is being communicated through emotional waves rather than simply words, I think. I think there is also embarrassment contained within this. And I'm trying to figure out... Okay, you know what? Uh, rather than put this just in emotional space, we'll uh, speak some words and make it explicit. I did not know 
forgive me. I did not mean to expose uh, expose you in ways that you did not wish or, or intend to be exposed. I assume between you and Zaron that there was understanding enough, and I will trust that what you shared together was done so with intention and, and honor. Um, I have not conducted myself in the ways that Zaron has. I will admit I have not felt, I am not familiar with these emotions, and through and through our grieving, I will be understanding them more than I do now. I apologize for my outburst. Not only can I feel the waves of emotions through his psychic projections, but I can see them play across his face. I put my hands up plaintively, uh, trying to calm the situation, but something that he said sticks out to me. When you say that you have not conducted yourself in the way that Zaron has, do you mean you have never felt this emotion? You've never, you've never been in love with anyone before? To which he nods very resolutely and seriously. I think the similarities between Zam and his brother are mostly physical, surface level, and I can see that now. Um, Zaron always had an air of mystery about him. Uh, one, I think that comes naturally from someone who has lived a life as intense as his, but also one that was cultivated. And there is a striking difference in the honesty of saying that. I realize that my panic over, frankly and honestly, impropriety that was enmeshed in the relationship that I shared with his brother, it, I was being defensive. I think that we got off on the wrong foot. And I want to apologize for that. Um, I am Sam. It is nice to meet you. And of course, I and Starfleet, we are, we are more than happy to accommodate whatever it takes to fulfill your culture's needs. And, and your personal needs regarding the loss of your brother. He was very important to all of us. I still have some work to do at my station today, uh, but there is room. So wh why not uh, to have a, you're welcome to have a seat or, or stand or whatever you need to do to begin your meditations. Um, and let's talk later. If that's okay. I smile, or I try to smile. I I try to offer conciliation. Uh, I try to radiate it. I don't have the psychic waves, but but I know that my emotions can be picked up on if, if they are being looked for. And I can't read him. 
I think, I think the situation is calm, calmer. He does eventually have a seat and I do eventually manage to actually get back to work after going through the things that I knocked over earlier and allowing myself to settle down. And it's strange feeling like I am being watched, but I also think that I'll be able to make it through. All right, that is going to be the first scene. Gosh, I will say, as a player, I think doing this in the audio format, I do feel the messiness uh, of this. Um, I am very glad that the system emphasizes in letting yourself lean in to that messiness, not being judgmental over it. Uh, I could see if I were journaling this, if I were writing it out, uh, the ways in which I could polish things. And oh my goodness, I realized I forgot to pull a brick. So I am going to do that now. Oh, oh my God. Okay. I got to focus more on this brick pull. Hold on. Hey, Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, once again, there's just one week left to back star-crossed love letters on Backerkit. Head over to the link in our show notes now, or go to Backerkit and search for star-crossed love letters, and sign up for a pledge. You can get just the expansion if you already own star-crossed, or you can buy them together. There's also an option where game designer extraordinaire Alex Roberts will create a pairing just for you. But you are running out of time, so back it as soon as you can. Heroes, the holidays are coming up, and if you have a game lover in your life, you should consider getting them Campfire Cards. Campfire Cards is a game accessory that helps the characters at your RPG table bond and deepen their relationships to make your game more fun. They work like those icebreaker cards you might buy for a dinner party, but they are geared towards RPG characters. They work with any game and any group, and you can buy them wherever books are sold. Just head to bit.ly slash ultimate campfire or bit.ly slash campfire RPG and get a copy for someone you love. And while you're there, check out the other books in my Ultimate RPG series. As always, we thank our backers on Patreon. Without you, this wouldn't be possible. One Shot is going to have a new host soon, and that new host is going to need your support to keep the show going. So if you've liked any of the talented folks that you've heard over the last couple months, sign up to support them on Patreon. Our Patreon backers help us not only by supporting the show, but you help us make important decisions, like this very casting decision. One-Shot patrons have their own survey, which is weighted a little more heavily than the public survey, on who they think the next One-Shot host should be. So if you want in on that, head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and sign up to support us. A huge thanks to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. And with all that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Okay. Okay. All right. And that was for an intentional reveal. Um, that intentional reveal was uh, revealing Zam kind of like confidently uh, revealing that he has never uh, been in love, uh, at least not in the way that Zaron was. So yeah, that I, I feel like is a worthy intentional reveal in addition to all of the other stuff like him also feeling a little 
disappointed in in Zaron uh, conducting a relationship that was a little bit clandestine. Um, okay, yeah. So as I was saying, like I could see you know writing the the first draft of this and uh as the game suggests maybe going back uh to polish it a little later or you know allowing yourself to be messy in the beginning and then go back to it based on the discoveries that you've made um it's 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 an interesting difference to my general play style and i think the comfort that I feel with collaboration, collaboration, I automatically feel as a player, uh, like what I'm putting out is more polished. Um, when I am not, when I'm collaborating with, uh, a system and only myself, uh, it feels a lot more vulnerable and unpolished. Uh, but I am trusting in the design and and letting that go uh as i go through this and uh it is just an interesting process oh so this scene two scene two is a little embarrassment and i have given myself a delicious gift and that delicious gift is i have had <laughs> i have had zam reach out to our quote-unquote Starfleet equivalent and be like, hey, I'm coming to perform this ritual because your ensign shared a significant relationship with my brother. And Starfleet has responded by saying that they would make private quarter allowances so that these two could be around each other while Sam is on shift. And also you know, in off hours so that the ritual can be done as it is expected to be done, which means they are sharing a room. And obviously, if this is star-crossed and two characters are sharing a room, that means there is one bed. Um, and what, what a perfect way to introduce this element with a little embarrassment. Okay, so the lead starts the scene. I am... Okay, so... I'm going to return to the move sheets on Starcrossed. Um, I can describe my character's movements. I can describe a detail in the character's environment and that there are intentional or unintentional pulls. Gosh, I do, I do wish I had Alex here with me to ask a few questions, but a thing that I am noticing, I'll just say it aloud, a thing that I am noticing is that there is a lot more internal to what I did in the first scene than necessarily I think would have been done in another Starcrossed. So, uh, and what, what I mean by that is I had a lot of internal first person monologuing from Sam rather than just focusing on movements. And I think, I think that might not be what we're shooting for. So what I am going to do is in this scene, I am going to try and focus more on movements and details in the environment from Sam's perspective um, and less on internal monologuing uh, and explanation. I, I think this is an interesting difference. I think in a lot of collaborative games, 
or games where I'm collaborating with another person. I think uh, throwing in world building details through the narration or in conjunction with the narration um, like is, is more natural because like you were kind of explaining your intentions to your, your uh, role playing partner as you are playing out the scene itself. And I think with two people, it is easier to orient myself outside of headspace. But like I was narrating directly a lot of my character's thoughts and that's not as much the spirit of Starcrossed uh, that I've come to familiarize or that I've come to be familiar with it. Uh, so I'm going to make an effort in this scene to fight uh, the instinct to stay in a mental space and really stay in first person, but uh, focus on physical and environmental details, uh, you know, while, while keeping that I statement stuff and framing my perspective around the follow. Hopefully what I am saying is going to make sense as I go into this next scene. I, I think it will make things less messy. Uh, and I think poetically link itself to the natural tension that this game sits in a little bit better. Okay. So it is the lead that initiates the scene that starts the scene. Huh. Yeah, man, it would be it would be nice to have uh, whatever. The door opens and the two of us are standing together, silhouettes in the threshold, and the lights pop on. It is a small room. It is a modest room. One of the rooms that is generally afforded to married crew members who are of lower ranks. The fleet is generous enough to, well, here, here I am back in world building. I'm going to get this out. The fleet, I think the way things work here is even for lower ranks, like if you have a relationship or whatnot, like there's a recognition that it's a little bit more difficult to conduct a healthy, intimate relationship when you don't have access to private spaces and private sleeping quarters. So I think there are a lot of situations, especially like if you're trying to start a family or whatnot, where the fleet will be able to assign lower ranked officers private quarters so that they can cohabitate. Um, I don't think it's a blanket thing done across the fleet, but I, I, I think it is something that like ships are prepared to accommodate if they have to. And I'll bet these are in short supply and like sought after and whatnot. They, there are, there've got to be things within the fleet that like allow people to have intimate spaces when they are not like very seriously committed and whatnot. But like, this is, this is just something that exists anyway. Back to, back to describing it. Immediately, I feel it is like a tiresome embarrassment. I also feel a bit of irritation. There's, it strikes me sharp and it strikes me in, in my stomach and my chest because the lights turn on. And I look at the room. It is very obvious that this room, despite being clean and despite 
having enough space for two people to put their belongings and obviously being a quite generous gesture to a guest who is coming from a very diplomatically important family uh, to accommodate a situation that is not regular fleet protocol. Despite all of those good things, there is only one bed. I freeze. I freeze and I try to study the person standing next to me in a non-obvious way. I really want to know how he is going to react. God, yeah. I keep wanting to explain things in the character's head to explain world-building situations. I, throughout this game, am going to try and fight this instinct, but I do want to justify all of my silly Star Trek bullshit um, uh, uh, and, you know, unlikely uh, scenarios. So I think, I think Sam understands implicitly that this accommodation was made and it was made in a way where there aren't other options. They had to really pull some strings to free up this room. And they're doing it out of a gesture of respect for the cultural significance of uh, what was requested by Zam. They would probably you know, like to present two beds, but that's just not possible. The ship can't accommodate it. There isn't the room for it. And they had to stretch really hard to get the room for this. One of the things that I like about a lot of uh, series, different series on Star Trek, like you get ships that do have that futuristic feel, um, but also have like kind of homey spaces with like wooden furniture and excuse me carpeting and whatnot and i like the idea of this ship generally but this space especially being a a non-work space i think this room is set up to have more homey touches i think the light in this room is warmer and i i think there are a lot of rich wood tones here it feels homey and cozy. And cozy is an important word to touch on. It feels cozy because it is very small. And it is specifically small in a way where it is not going to be possible for one of these two to sleep on the floor. That's just not going to happen. And the specificity of this ritual and these two having to be around each other, it is not like Ensign Barry, Sam, can just go off and uh, sleep in one of the uh, bunks that would be in the lower decks of the ship. He has to be around this person, uh, around Zam, while he is forging the psychic connection so that they can, you know, grab the the, the shape of his brother, the, the, the piece of his brother's spirit. So, like, they have to be together. There's no way to sleep on the ground. And he knows that there is also no way that they are going to be able to get a different room. So Sam has a deep and intimate awareness of, like, first of all, how much... He doesn't want this to be the case and that 
the situation cannot be changed that that like people have already gone out of their way and there there's going to be no way to rectify this and i think the thing that he is freezing for is something that he was aware about zaron and it's that zalians think of intimacy a little bit differently it's that zalians don't think of privacy in the same way and Sam is trying to figure out if uh, Zam, like what Zam is going to be comfortable or uncomfortable with. It could be very well, like like it could easily be that Sam that that Zam does not uh, think that it is out of the ordinary that there is one bed, or significant that there is one bed. That in sharing this space uh that zam is going to just conduct himself a lot more casually than uh maybe sam is uh ready for and he right now he freezes i i don't notice that i stop breathing i am trying to take in everything about zam i I'm searching his face, and at the same time, I am also trying to keep my emotions in check. I am looking for signs that Zam has any awareness of what this situation would mean to someone like me. I know that he did enough research to initiate our greeting through shaking hands, but I don't know how much additional research he has done. We inch our way into the room and I'm able to take my duffel bag of things and place them on a shelf by the bed and Zam, in a way that, again, feels somewhat familiar, immediately goes about what I think of as, oh my God, I'm back in thoughts. I'm back in thoughts. Gosh. Oh, I'm going to try and pull back from that. Actually. I watch Zam as he begins to fill the space. He has his own collection of things and I watch him as he unpacks the belongings that he brought with him. It wasn't a large bag. There are enough changes of clothes and obviously should he need any, the fleet would be able to provide it. But he does have a few decorations. I can't help but when watching him notice that his skin is less blue than his brother's. His brother had a very deep blue skin and his is a lot lighter, closer to lavender. I notice that he is also strong, like his brother was. A fact that becomes unignorable as he makes a move to begin getting himself out of the clothes that he wore traveling and into more casual dress. I very quickly turn my body away from his uh, 
and draw my focus away from him. And I stare at the wall, actually. I don't have casual clothes that I need to change into. The uniform is what I have, and the uniform is all I need, and I probably won't change until I'm going to get into bed, and I haven't decided exactly when that is going to be. I smooth out some of the wrinkles on my uniform. I, I nervously tug at it while deliberately trying to look away as the person who will be my bunkmate and bedmate mate for the next indeterminate amount of time disrobes. Then I hear his voice behind me. Is something wrong? I am tense. I can feel the tension lightly in my body. And I know that if I can feel it in my body, that Azalean must be able to feel it in the air, in the psychic space. My discomfort has to be obvious. I turn towards him and I begin to try and diffuse the situation. And as I turn towards him, to my horror, I discover that he is a typical Zalian, um, and his idea of privacy is very different from ones that I grew up with and ones that we normally keep in the fleet. His casual dress is a robe uh, that is sheer. It complements his skin quite nicely. And I can tell that because I can see his skin fairly clearly uh, beneath the robe. It looks smooth and it looks airy almost, and regal, too. A lot of the traditional clothing that uh, Zaron used to wear had a similar look to it. Uh, it's not quite as decorated as Zaron's was, but it is beautiful and it is flattering in a way that I can't help but ignore. And uh, the feeling of understanding that is wild. As much as I am trying to keep my emotions in check, they are welling up quite a bit. I can tell that, like, mixed in it, there is, well, huh, there's an attraction, obviously. I, I, he's handsome. That's objective. Zam is handsome. He is like his brother. His brother was handsome uh, and beautiful, and, and he looks so similar and is also just handsome and beautiful. That's just a fact. And it's okay, actually, to recognize that fact. It's okay to recognize that fact, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also sadness in this, edges of that grief that I have spent so long dealing with. His lavender skin has highlights that are a little pink and almost a deep midnight blue in some areas. It's a very 
flattering look. And I realize that I have been taking it in uh, and not saying anything. And Zam asked me a question. Are you all right? I try to step back and I feel the confines of the room pretty clearly as my back presses into the wall. <laughs> I realize how ridiculous I must look and I try to stand up straight, but doing that, I feel immediately too close to this person. I realize I have crammed myself into a corner of this room. All of the spare room in the room is over there past Zam. And I am just in this little corner and he draws closer to me because of course, Zalians, um, Zalians are used to speaking in closer proximity especially in casual situations. I am fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I, sorry. Uh, um, there are, huh, my cheeks flush. Uh, my whole face feels hot as I have to explain this situation and how I'm feeling because I know he can tell at least a little bit of how I am feeling. And I know that, uh, I, I, you can't, I can't tell him there's nothing wrong when he can clearly, obviously feel the discomfort that, that I feel. And despite this, I am not prepared for how to do that. Uh, I try to move my gaze away from looking at him, though I realize that I am going to need to look at him to answer him. I'm not used to uh, being so close to people. Uh, normally, I, I'm in bunks and we're more spread out from one another, and uh, I'm, I'm not uncomfortable with you, but you're a new person to me. I, I, I don't know you. Uh, I've just met. We've just met. Um, and so it's, uh, and I look into his eyes as I am saying this and seeing them up close, Zalians have irises that shine with light. Um, you know, even a very bright environment, it's obvious, uh, but being so close in a room that is lit to be homey, it's very obvious all of the colors that are shining right now. And the way the colors in his eyes specifically fluctuate. Um, it's, it's almost, it's distracting and almost mesmerizing to, to a degree. Um, like, like the same sort of attraction you might feel to watching a, a lava lamp. It, it's very primal. Uh, and for it to be, to, for it to be set in eyes, uh, 
It's a lot. And I think Zam is, Zam comes to understand some things. Oh, oh, I see. I remember in my readings that people of your culture feel differently um, about social norms, social protocols. I do not wish to cause you any discomfort. And I believe it would be best for us to deal with any discomfort, to address any discomfort that might be between us as that could prolong the process of uh, forming the necessary connection to complete our grieving. I still feel how hot my, my cheeks and ears are as I am nodding. Of course, of course, you're right. You're right. Uh, you're totally right. Um, and you have hit the nail on the head. Uh, that's an expression. That's, uh, it means that you have assessed the situation very accurately. I, um, hmm, I do feel a measure of discomfort, uh, because, uh, uh first of all, it is, uh, something of an intimate gesture, uh, to be in your state of dress in front of uh, another person who, who you have just met. Um, in my culture, which is not not your fault at all, and I am uh, used to it a little bit uh, because Zaron um, obviously had the same. It was the same culture, and I am familiar with that culture. I'm studied on that culture, and so I, I feel a little bit of measure of discomfort for that. The the quarters are also quite close, um, and. Uh, and I can feel my mouth like feels dry. My, my palms are sweating a little bit. This is such a delicate situation to navigate and also like very emotionally full in this moment. There is a lot going on. There's like the awkwardness, the discomfort, the, the embarrassment, and also like this underlying sadness uh, that I am struggling with. And I take a breath. I try to gather my thoughts. And I sit down. I sit on the bed. I am now looking up at Zam in his beautiful robe, towering over me. He is very tall. Um, I can see the tattoos that are similar, but obviously different to the tattoos that his brother had. They are these gorgeous white marks upon his body. Uh, beautiful decorative thing. I can also see the jewelry, uh, that he has adorned himself with. Zelia is a planet that is rich in a lot of metals, and it's not uncommon for uh, people of this culture to wear jewelry, um, especially people from Zam and Zaron's family. Uh, it's very fine jewelry, and it flatters him very well. I thought the distance of 
sitting down would help as opposed to standing eye to eye, but I can feel him over me. I can feel him looking down at me. And I think like all of these emotions are boiling as I'm struggling to express myself. And there is a wave of projected calm. Yeah, I think one of the abilities that Zalians have, like we got, we caught the edges of this when in the first scene when Sam felt like this strong wave of emotion of disappointment and whatnot coming from Zam. But like Zalians can do the equivalent of like an emotional shout, you know, they can like strongly project a feeling at will. And, you know, it becomes a conversation tool, especially like if you were in a situation where somebody you're with is like panicking or, or feeling, you know, stressed or undue, you can project calm to like bring things down a little bit. And this is something that I think the sweetly nervous Sam, uh, is familiar with this is something that Zaron has done in many different situations. Some like there is the the awkwardness or, or, or worried about uh, uh, saying something offensive that Zaron just doesn't want to deal with and is like, no, it's fine. Projecting calm. There were the times of legitimate danger where Zaron needed everyone in his group, but Sam, you know, and, and many times individually to to be focused to to stray away from fear. And he would, in this very commanding way, project calm into the psychic atmosphere. And I think, I think that Sam really responds to that and responds like this. Zam as a person has obviously like just a little bit less self-assured than Zaron was. And I think in the way that he is able to project calm, like that is another great similarity that he shares with his brother. It is very confident um, and, and very strong-willed and easy to respond to. So that means that Sam is able to calm down a bit. I ask again, are you all right? It would not do to have discomfort for many reasons. One, out of consideration to you, who you are being very generous to honor a tradition that is not your own, and I do recognize that and appreciate it. And of course, it also will make it more difficult if there are barriers between us. Ideally, those will come down because I know that you kept my brother safe. And I look up at him. I'm able to meet his gaze again after getting hit with that wave of calm. And I can see how serious his face is as he is saying this to me. I believe it will put you at ease to know that from my brother's correspondence, I have come to admire 
qualities in you that he admired. I can feel my heart leap a little bit at this. Uh, a lightning strike, not quite a butterfly, but like a charge. I, I can't bring myself to say anything. From his account, you are a person of great consideration, thoughtfulness, and care. I do not see you in judgment, for the first thing that I have known of you are some of your most admirable features. You have committed yourself quite seriously to great things, and you have proven that in your words and deeds time and again. If my brother's accounts are to be trusted and... I have always known him to be an honorable and trustworthy man. So this is, <laughs> this is another like reveal, I think. Um, and what I think it is, I think Zam is revealing that he has essentially come to understand Sam as much as he could through his brother's infatuated diary entries that he wrote about their really intense connection. So he is admitting that he already admires Sam to a degree because of how highly Zaron thought of him. Yeah, I, I, I think that is meaningful and I think that will count as an intentional reveal. So I'm going to mark that down. I will say one thing about this. I am, and it might be just the tower itself because it started in a very unsteady place. Oh my gosh, okay. I feel so much more nervous pulling bricks in this tower than I do in a two-player Starcrossed. I think that... Um, because two-player Starcrossed has that tension shared in a way, um, at least to me as a player, I feel less pressure um, pulling a brick. But when I do it alone, like, I, I don't know, it is just, <laughs> it feels a lot more nerve-wracking. Which is interesting because Starcrossed is already a game that I just elicits a... a, a great emotional response in me and I, I find pretty intense uh, normally. Anyway, I blush as he says this to me. <laughs> it's so funny. I have known this person less than a day and I spend a great deal of my time with my cheeks and ears burning around him. Thank you. I... I am sorry. You don't need to be sorry. I know. Um, let me... I'm going to make this uh, apology. Uh, and then I, I swear that will be, unless I have done something really upsetting, that'll be the last apology that I allow myself in this situation. Um, there is some awkwardness. And... I I was worried about upsetting you. This 
this is a serious situation and I take it seriously. And it is important for me to for you to know that I, um, care about uh, this. I cared about your brother very deeply and I care about your traditions, uh, for, from a number of different perspectives. Uh, so it is important to me as you have identified that, 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 you know, that you have my respect, uh, and yeah, and care for all of this. I appreciate that. And I am, I am going to make my best effort to, uh, to put down my walls so that, so that you can, um, do what you need to do. I, I can see Zam nod and there is almost an exhale with that nod. He does actually appear more relaxed, um, more understood. I tense up a little bit as he sits down on the bed next to me. There is distance between us, but it is less distance than uh, a human would leave. Um, I once again flash back to the first times that I spent time around Zaron when we were really getting to know each other and how difficult it was to be that close uh, when so much so much was uncertain about our connection. And I must be a little lost in that memory because what pulls me out of it is something that I am really not expecting that sends tingles up my spine and across my body. I can feel a rosiness rise to my chest and I briefly feel very, very grateful uh, that the uniforms that we have are issued with long sleeves as Zam places his hand on my chest. In a gesture that I find familiar, but feels no less intimate. I am going to pull a brick. This is once again the lead intentionally touching the follow. Um, I think I am conscientiously... Uh, having uh, Zam make a lot of these moves here because part of his goal actually is to de intentionally develop intimacy between the two of them outside of just the lead role. Like culturally, that's what he's trying to do uh, in this grieving process right now. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, I think that's why he is making the majority of the moves at the moment. The tower continues to be very nerve-wracking for me. I truly wish everyone could have seen me put that brick on that tower. <laughs> it was so unsteady, so nervous. <sighs> so, Zam is placing his hand um, on Sam's chest, and I feel the warmth of his hand even through the material of my uniform. I swallow strongly. I recognize this gesture. This is a 
welcoming gesture uh, from Azalean. It is one of open and earnest uh, friendliness and honesty. Um, it is a very kind gesture that does feel very close um, if you are not familiar with it and admittedly even if you are familiar with it. The warmth of his hand radiates across my chest and it could be another psychic projection. It could simply be the comfort that comes from another person touching you. But I am able to relax a little bit more, even if I can feel my heart pounding beneath the warm touch of his hand. This episode of One Shot uses music from the following artists. Set Sail by Matteo Galisi. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online anywhere at The Other Tracy. As always, we end one shot with a call to action. And folks, currently the United States is helping to fund a genocide and prop up an apartheid regime. That is unacceptable. I know it feels like a tremendous and overwhelming issue, and you might not know where to start making a difference on it, which is why I'm here to encourage you to contact your representatives. I'm talking about representatives at every conceivable level of government. That could be your congressman, that could be your governor, that could even be the mayor of your local city. We need everyone representing us in this country to acknowledge what is happening, demand a ceasefire, change our government's position to reflect the material reality of what is actually happening, so we can put a stop to this genocide and focus on humanitarian efforts. A good way to get started is to head to a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There, you'll be able to find contact information for some of your representatives, along with a script to read while you're on the phone to help you get your message across. For your local representatives, you'll have to do your own research, but I believe in you. Calling is quick, easy, and it can make a difference. The more pressure our government receives at every level, the sooner we can change the direction of policy. And that matters. That can save lives. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.